Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, estate planning attorney, investor, and pregnant mama-to-be, Pam Moss. All right, today's guest with me today is Merit Khan. She is the founder of Merit-Based Business. She is the author of The Myth Shift, which is challenging the truths that sabotage success, creator of the Merit Method, the Sales Mastery for Life program, and co-host of an amazing podcast, the Smarter Sales Show podcast. Oh my gosh, welcome Merit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I'd love to get started and just kind of learn a little bit more about your background and kind of what has led you to be this expert and author and all the great things that you do in the world. Well, let's see. Uh, I think it all started back in the day. I mean, both my parents were salespeople. My dad sold advertising. My mom sold real estate. So it was really never a question of, you know, what will Merit do with her life? It was more of a question of what will Merit sell? <laughs> so I, uh, I started in radio advertising sales. I worked my way up. I was the youngest general sales manager in the Chicago radio market at the time. And then I had put myself through some sales training programs and some sales management courses. And it was in that experience that I realized the things that I liked about what I was doing as a sales manager had everything to do with inspiring and training and coaching people and really helping them find their genius and and move up and feel good and grow themselves. And very little of it had to do with the radio business. So I opened a sales and sales management training company. I did that in Chicago for a dozen years. And then we moved to Denver and I kind of looked at some different ways to run the business since I was changing things up. And that's when I did more keynote speaking and training workshops. And uh, I've had a training center where people came to me. I've done virtual courses where, you know, we meet in an online format. So I, I just keep it fresh by mixing up the different delivery models. But um, what I, what's always been at the core was making sure that my values being strong about family and being a mom were always driving my decisions. So it made sense. Every time I, I did a new iteration of my business model, it was really from the standpoint of how does this serve me as a mother, me as a, you know, just so that I can be with my kid at the different phases that my kid's life was going through. And yeah, that's, I just kind of keep putting that in the middle and everything works around it. Wow. I, there's so many good things that you said in there. <laughs> I want to kind of unpack. Um, I love hearing about how you have kind of stayed innovative. It sounds like, and kind of shifted with the times and shifted with your life. And um, you mentioned that you've kind of put your priority as a mother at the center um, and that really drove your decisions. And I know for so many people, um, it's always that challenge, right? That balance. And so how did you kind of land on that philosophy? And can you tell us a little bit more about how that philosophy has worked for you, for your business and for your personal life? Well, I will tell you that I wasn't always good at it. <laughs> um, I can remember very clearly the moment where I was literally breastfeeding my baby while I was checking my email and trying to respond and doing all these things. And I just, it was like one of those epiphany moments. And I realized I'm not doing either thing 
very well. And, you know, I think multitasking is very fashionable to talk about, but I don't know about anybody else. I'm not good at it. <laughs> There's certain <laughs> things that should not be multitasked that, that, that do require focus and, and attention and being really present. And um, I think it was just one of those moments. And I just looked at my, my brand new baby and I looked at my life and I thought, you know, this, I'm, I'm working too hard and I only have so many of these little baby days and I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess that up. Um, so I don't know. I, that was, those are usually my moments where I can kind of tell I'm getting a little off balance and I need to just refocus and maybe readjust my business model so that it fits with what I want. So now my, my son is a teenager now. Now I want to get out of the house, right? So it's <laughs> like a whole different, a whole different thing. <laughs> um, kind of in those earlier stages when you had that aha moment and started kind of shifting your business, what are some of the things that worked well um, as far as, you know, that balance and putting that change first? Was it redoing your business model? Can you give us a little bit more details about what worked well? Sure. Um, so when my son was first born, I was I had a training center. It was about an hour and a half from my house, which was really bad. Um, and we were doing training sessions um, on several days a week. So what I and I was using the office, I would go into the office on a daily basis. So when he was my son was born, I then looked at that and I said, well, could I still serve clients effectively if I was coaching them on the phone? Back then we didn't do Zoom meetings, but you know, if I was coaching them on the phone and if I only did the classes that we taught in the training center on Mondays and the other trainers could take over my training responsibilities for the other days of the week. So we consolidated our training schedule. We you know, I looked at some different ways of serving my clients that didn't require me being in the, that physical office. So that was one iteration of sort of revamping the model. Um, it was still the same business model, but it was, I executed it in some different ways that put my family life at the center. And then I worked everything else around it. Um, I would say then, when we made the move to come to Colorado and I was then looking at, you know, like, do I want to set up the exact same business model that I had, or is there something that fits better now that my son was at, at the time he was four years old. So then I looked at, well, I still wanted to have a training center. So I did that, but it was 45 minutes away. <laughs> and, and then I was doing more keynote business. So I was traveling, but I would travel and I'd be gone for one night and I'd be back and then I could work for my home office the whole time. So I just kind of looked and say to say, if this is the value I provide in the marketplace, what are the ways that I can organize delivering that value in a way that works for me and my family? I love that. And those examples are super helpful, even as I kind of am thinking through kind of my business right now, just having that mindset going into it of, you know, how can I continue to give that value without having to sacrifice my life? And that is so inspiring just to hear that you've had that success and kind of to kind of uh, piggy off that, piggyback off of that kind of your success. I know you have been extremely successful in multiple different markets. And for those that are maybe kind of up and comers in the 
um, in the industry, what advice would you have to people who are really, you know, at that phase with growing their businesses to really shine, to really stand out? You know, what I wish I would have done earlier, um, that I I'm still getting better at is, um, collaboration and asking for help, getting the right team around me. Um, I think especially as a mom. So the first things that I really learned to outsource and take off of my plate, because, you know, we all, (laughs) well, we all think we're like superwoman and we can handle it all. And there's some shame or something around asking for help. Like, no, 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 I got it. I can take care of it. And what I realized was, I was burning the candle at both ends, right? I was trying to, I was the breadwinner in my family. And, uh, you know, I I just, I was trying to be super mom and, you know, volunteer and all the other things. And I realized I I can't. So I looked at the things that I do and I realized, and I, I said, what don't I enjoy? Well, personally, cleaning, that was the first thing to go. Let's get, let's get people who are better at that than I am. Um, so that, that I don't, I haven't vacuumed a floor in 20 years. <laughs> like, and I'm damn proud of that. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> Those are the first people I would sooner eat ramen noodles than get rid of my cleaning team, my cleaning team. Um, the second thing that I got rid of was grocery shopping. That does not require my skill, my unique talents or my love. I don't enjoy it, get rid of it. Um, Because why would I be at the grocery store when I could be throwing a ball with my kid in the backyard or when I could be prospecting for a better client or, you know, doing a guest interview on a podcast? Like it didn't make sense. So I get rid of everything that doesn't require your skill level, your unique gifts and your love. Because you can't duplicate those th- those things as easily as you could duplicate, you know, somebody taking your grocery list and and bringing home the stuff and putting it away. Um, the next thing was cooking. I don't enjoy that either. So I've come up with dif- different ways to get around that. I've tried the meal bo- in a box and I've tried, you know, da da da. But I I have given myself full permission to not have to be that woman. Um, it's just not something I enjoy. So get rid of it. Uh, and I think that's, that's been a great lesson. It was easier for me to offload some of the things on the personal side. It took me a little while longer to get the help and support I needed on the business side, but I've found different ways to, for me, it was easier rather than an employee in my business. Cause I'm very, it's an entrepreneurial thing and, you know, I'm constantly making changes and it, I'm not so great at delegating, but I can take a project and hand it off to somebody who's going to be way better at that and do it in less time and way better than I would do it on my own. So those things are easy to get rid of too. And that just frees up my time. That's great. And kind of, that was kind of that next step in your business is really finding ways to utilize help to offload so that you could focus on really growing your business and doing the things that you love to do. And that is so Um, so helpful just to hear and hear that your take. So kind of what is merit-based business today? What type of things do you do? What do you focus on? Kind of tell us about what, what it is. Well, I work with entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, people, sales professionals, people that may never call themselves salespeople, but then they have to grow their book of business and they have to 
you know, they're on commission. Those are, those are my people. And usually they're really good at what they do. They're just really frustrated because it should be easier to get business than it is. And right now, as we record this, you know, we're still in the midst, the early stages of the global pandemic and everything is changing. And so what people really really want and need from me and the the merit-based methodology is really like, how do I make, what is an appropriate offer right now? How do I message that? Um, what is, what are my game plans? What's the sales process that feels comfortable that I could execute consistently? And I think what people have told me that is different about the way that I teach business development is that I really put a lot of emphasis on a strong sales mindset. And it probably comes from my background in um, certifications and emotional intelligence, but I really believe that, you know, if there's gaps in our mindset, then all of the skills that I would teach about sales process or anything else are going to fall through the gaps. So we need to kind of close those gaps. We need to make sure you come to the the sales conversation with self-regard and just enough assertiveness balanced with just enough, you know, um, interpersonal skills with a sense of reality, but a good sense of optimism. And so I really work with people first and foremost on making sure that they have a a strong sales mindset about what's really possible. And then when they learn these new skills and game plans, they're able to follow it because they can see a positive outcome. I love that. And that sounds like such a big differentiator in the market because I do feel like um, you can kind of inundate yourself with skills, but if you have those holes, you're, it's just going to kind of fall through. It's not going to stick. And so it sounds like you've really developed a way that it can stick <laughs> and you can use it and it can work. Um, who are kind of your ideal people to work with? If people are listening to this and they're a business owner who maybe struggles with that sales piece, they know they need to get better <laughs> at it. What would be the kind of type of people that would kind of the industries and the type of business owners that you tend to like to work with? Well, I don't know if it's unique to me, but I kind of like working with people who kind of feel like me. <laughs> like, I really love, um, I would say the, the number one uh, distinction that really makes up my ideal client is um, I do work primarily with female business owners and entrepreneurs. They're in consultative types of sales businesses. So it's not like, you know, sell me this pen and I could buy this pen online for cheaper. So it's not like that. It's a, it's a consultative sales process. Where they're selling themselves a profession or a service-based business. And um, the thing that I really love about the people that I work with in that category are the ones who identify with, I can't wait for circumstances to change before I invest in myself and reach my goals. Um, like the, this COVID crisis is a perfect example. Um, I, I, I have, I found that a lot of people were, were coming to me more motivated to invest in themselves because they wanted to work with someone who was absolutely committed. And I did this myself. I had to redo my own business offers, the way that I work, how I communicate, my messaging, and my clients need to do the same thing. So I actually started a movement and I called it the Can't Wait This Out movement. And if you go to can'twaitthisout.com, 
you can get on that list where I'm going to be flooding. It just started. So I'm going to be flooding good, positive sales mindset messages at people who really identify with that. You know what? Because this is me. I'm a divorced um, single woman with a teenager who lives with me full time. And I cannot wait this out, right? Like my business must go on. I've been, I've had my own business since 1998. I'm not about to close up shop because of some virus. So what do I need to do to turn things around? Those are the people I love to help because they come to the conversation like so thirsty for not just the information, but the accountability and the community and they are ready to work. And that's those are the people who get the best results. They make me look good because I help. I my then you know the messages that I share can really they'll put into action and then everybody wins. That's what I love. I was actually that was kind of the next thing I'd written in my notes. I had seen that you had this can't wait this out movement, and I was wanting to ask what that was and um, and how people can get involved with it. And I'm glad you gave the website. And what are the types of things that like right now, the advice that you're giving your clients around this, having this right mindset right now during these times to not wait this out, to push forward. What are those tips that you're giving people right now? Well, the first thing that I am telling people is to really listen to the marketplace. Um, So first you got to get your mind right because yeah, you know, you are going to hear, there are businesses that are closing. There's a reality, right? So you don't ever want to be in an argument with reality about what's really happening. And I think one of one of the things that I that frustrates me is I see these marketing messages and I've been on the receiving end of sales pitches that are today the same that they would have been, you know, 3 or 4 months ago. And to me that just says you have you're completely out of touch with the reality. And so I would say first, listen, pay attention, and then reevaluate your offers in the marketplace through a fresh set of eyes of what's really happening and see if those offers are appropriate. So any offer that I used to have, I mean, I was a, I'm an opening keynote speaker, right? People hire me to you know, create an energy and a dynamic at the beginning of a conference that sets people up for having an open mind, being open for business. That was, that's my, that's my brand is, you know, being open for business. And that part of my business is not worth marketing right now. (laughs) Like there are no stages to, to, to stand on for a period of time. And I'm okay with that, but I'm, not in an argument with reality. I'm looking at what is the value that I can still bring. What's more valuable now um, that I could be talking about and take off all of the things, take them off my plate, take them out of my marketing sequences, take them out of my mind. Don't speak about them because it's just adding confusion in the marketplace versus just focusing on what's appropriate now what are the right messages? What are the pains that people have that you're a solution for? And then how do you communicate that clearly and effectively? I love that. And I think that some of the conversations I've been having lately with people is this kind of in their marketing and in their sales is this fear of not wanting to come across as like an ambulance chaser, right? Or come across, it's it's this fear of with covid 
um, coming across that way? And have you, have you come across that fear? And if so, do you have any tips for people kind of dealing with that right now? You know, um, that brings up a great point. So I was, uh, I was doing another interview and we had a whole discussion on the distinction between empathy and assertiveness in a sales professional and how that dynamic is playing such an important role today to make sure that your messaging is appropriate. So for example, um, I mentioned that I do emotional intelligence assessments, and this is actually sort of a, 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 you know, I used to incorporate it into my longer term sales programs, which I still do, but now I've actually, it's been so valuable for people that I've been asked to do just, can I just do like a, a short version of emotional intelligence assessment and just enough coaching to get people kind of in the right mindset. And one of the things as I've been doing more and more of those projects with entrepreneurs and business people is that I'm really looking at that dynamic between empathy and assertiveness. So if empathy is too high and assertiveness is too low, what's happening is in a, in an environment of, of chaos or uncertainty, um, those people are not making sales calls at all. And it's likely that they weren't before this crisis either, except now they have a really juicy, universally acceptable excuse not to make any sales calls. So high empathy, low assertiveness is a bad combination for a salesperson. On the flip side, high assertiveness, low empathy is also bad. That will damage your brand in the long term because that those are the people who are saying the same things today that they were you know, two months ago with no regard for what's happening. So what you really want to strive for is a balance of empathy and assertiveness. And what that would actually sound like on a call is, hey, Pamela, it's, um, you know, I'm making a sales call, which seems so crazy to me in light of all this, you know, crisis that we're dealing with. Would it be okay? Are you open to having a business conversation um, to really deal with something that is within our control in the midst of so much uncertainty? And I really invite someone to be open. No one doesn't want to be open. So that's my favorite phrase that pays. Are you open to? And I just invite them to join me in a conversation about something that feels a little bit more normal. And that sets a completely different tone. So this idea of how much empathy and how much assertiveness do you have? And and if they're not in balance, what can you do very deliberately to bring those two in balance so that you can use the right language in a sales conversation that will convert. I absolutely love that. And (laughs) instantly when we had our mock call that you were saying, I felt at ease when you said that, when you, because you were really acknowledging the reality of what is happening right now. And you were giving me permission and a choice. And I instantly just felt myself like, ah, relax. (laughs) So So glad to hear that. (laughs) I love thinking about our conversations right now there and really having that context and seeing that you are in that balance. Um, So kind of you touched on it a moment ago um, that you have a son that's a teenager, right? Is it a son? Yes. (laughs) And and you mentioned you come from this family of salespeople. Um, has, is he kind of following in the footsteps? How has, how has the kind of your sales kind of been passed on or have you been exposing him to it? Not kind of where? Uh, yeah, that's poor kid. I don't, I don't think he could get away from it, honestly. Um, 
So he, here's an example. He was, uh, he, he did his stint as boys do in the Cub Scouts. I was the troop leader. Um, and of course, when it came time for popcorn sales, I wasn't going to miss that opportunity to teach my boys, like, here's the, here's how you sell gentlemen. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we rewrote the rule book in how to sell Cub Scouts. And yes, my son did sell the most popcorn for the entire time he was a scout. Uh, But what was fascinating, I mean, I got to, you know, he would ring the doorbell and, you know, you have your sheet and you have your products and everything. And then um, when it came time for the next year, I said, okay, Jake, you could go back out there and ring a bunch of new doorbells, or you can take your list from last year with all the phone numbers that you have and then call them and say, hello, Mr. Jones. Um, This is Jake Guest. I know that you had um, purchased some popcorn from my from me last year when I rang your doorbell. I really appreciate that. And by the way, um, good to know that we also are are we've brought back the caramel pre popped flavor. Um, can last year looks like you bought two bags, but you probably went through those pretty quick. Would you like to order three bags this year? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, and of course, Mr. Jones, I'm sure is like, wow, I've never had this before. And, you know, of course, my son would go for the upsell. Like, well, this year we've also added a special new flavor. And if you buy four of these, you can get one of these. Right. So he, you know, before he even knocked on a door, he already had, you know, a ton of repeat sales. So, yeah, uh, Jake will grow up selling something. He's, he's got it. He's learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and with your business, with merit-based business, um, I know we kind of touched on your program and this can't wait this out movement. What are the different ways people can work with you is, can people work on you with you one-on-one is a, uh, kind of learn as you go online program. Like what are the different offerings that you have right now? Well, it's actually really fascinating right now because of the keynote part of my business is completely gone for the, you know, immediate future, which actually has done something pretty remarkable for me that I couldn't have possibly um, anticipated as such a silver lining. But I have always loved my private, like my private coaching clients. And I've always wanted to do more with that, but because I was traveling and on the road so much, it made it really difficult. So now um, I've been able to really grow that aspect of my business. So it allows me to work with more um, entrepreneurs in a one-on-one way that I, I don't know, like for as long as large conferences aren't happening, I'll be able to continue with this business model. So it's kind of like, this is a great opportunity. And um, yeah, so the, the, primary way to work with me is and get the best of me is that private coaching relationship where we have scheduled meetings on a monthly basis, but then you're also part of group coaching membership, which is, um, you know, people who would love to do private coaching, but it's just not appropriate for them at this time, be it financially or whatever else. So I like to have another option for people to help them grow. Sometimes people need to grow to be able to, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? I need the need the private coaching, but I need the business to be at a certain level so I can pri- afford the private coaching. And so I, I have those two different ways of working with me. Um, 
And then there's a newly introduced distorted digital vault. Well, I have just access to a whole online library of sales content. So for the do-it-yourselfers that want to, you know, that we're willing to put in the effort and, you know, and, and maybe want a lower price point, that's a great option for them too. And then I have lots of free resources. So the the Smarter Sales Show uh, podcast is obviously a free resource. Um, I'm starting that with the movement. There'll be daily sales mindset messages coming soon. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of get going. Um, but the private coaching opportunity is pri- definitely the the best bang for the buck out there. Um, <laughs> oh, and then there's the emotional intelligence piece, right? So that's just like a a one-time, it's not like the private coaching is a monthly thing, right? But the uh, emotional intelligence, you could do an assessment, you get a debrief, and then you get a series of coaching calls to follow up on that so that I can help you along that journey as you're working on um, balancing out some of the different emotional intelligence attributes that we assess for directly as it relates to growing business and sales. Do you um, work with people's teams? Like one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, I've gotten to a place in my business where I've done a great job with the sales, but I want to start training people to take over that side or train people on my team. Do you have that kind of option where if you bring people in, they can kind of buddy up with you and, and do kind of that group coaching? Yes. In fact, um, I have an online course that's all about how do you onboard a salesperson into your organization? So that's, that's one of the, uh, the offers that, that would come first, like take somebody through that process so that they understand your values and how, you know, you could really map out and get some systems and processes around the different things that you teach. So you're not onboarding somebody and taking a lot of your time to do it time and time again. But then, um, I have, I, have, I have several clients right now that I'm working with. One is a small organization. She's got one, it's an entrepreneur. She's got one primary salesperson. And instead of the entrepreneur who's busy doing a lot of other things, she offloaded the training of this salesperson to me. So I know her process. I, I trained her many years ago and now she's just sort of put her salesperson in my care and that, and that way they can speak the same language. Um, and I understand her process, et cetera. So that's a great way to work. And then I've got another um, active client right now where it's a big organization and they are doing those emotional intelligence assessments the, from a leadership perspective. So I just, I've got eight more out of uh, 45 leaders that I assessed and did some did individual coaching for, and then we're going to do some team training. So there's a lot of there's always custom projects. I would say if there's you know if you're listening and you think well that she sounds like she's got some skill she she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Well, let's just talk and tell me what's going on in your world and. I can give you some different ideas of how I might be able to work. And if we're a match, great. And if we're not a match, you know, no hard feelings. Um, hopefully I'll add some value to the conversation in some way, shape or form and everybody comes out. Okay. Um, I love all that. And I, that customization and really being able to kind of have the option to work with you in different ways is obviously um, very appealing. I know for me, I know for other people probably listening as well, um, kind of just before we wrap up, I know you have this podcast, the Smarter Sales Show podcast, and I'd love to hear a little bit more 
about what people get from that, um, how they can tune into it, things like that. Well, thanks for asking that. Um, it's actually, it's so fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. It actually came out of um, just some natural organic conversations. So my dear friend, Julie Holmes, is an expert in all things technology. This woman is like a walking encyclopedia of all apps. I don't know how she does it, <coughs> but she has her famous phrases there's an app for that. And we would have these, I would call her and be like, okay, here's, here's what I'm frustrated with, yada, yada. And she would say, oh, Merit, relax. There's, there's an app and let me walk you through it. And she would know exactly. Meanwhile, she was calling me to rewrite the copy on her website so that it really was sale, you know, these subtle sales messages. And I rewrote some of her email scripts. I've, I've looked at, um, she did want, she did my sales training program, my virtual course. And so we would have these conversations about like sales problems and she would come up with a tech solution and I would have a technology or yeah, I would have like a technique solution. And then together we realized, you know, you really kind of need both of these, you know, you need to know what to say in your automated marketing campaigns. <laughs> you need to know, um, how to ask for referrals, but then you need to know what um, tech to use to track your referrals so that things weren't falling through the cracks. And we just one day just said, you know, I think a lot of people would benefit from eavesdropping on our conversations. So that's what we did. And we, it's, so the Smarter Sales Show is all about the tech and technique to sell more and stress less. And that's what oh. we do for each other. That's great. Yeah. It's like the perfect marriage of kind of both sides. And I love that story and how it kind of organically grew out of that fun relationship, which so many, so many of us have these advisors and mentors and people we work with, and I can't wait to tune in. So it's on iTunes. How do people find it? Yes. uh, You can find it on all your typical podcast channels and please subscribe. And after you like it, then give us a rating and a review and all that good stuff. But um, if you're having a hard time finding it, you can always go to the smartersalesshow.com. You can listen to the episodes, download them right from our site. You can sign up and join our email list. So as we grow, we'll be doing some different bonuses. And in our show notes, Julie always posts the links to the different apps that she references. I give very specific sound bites in our show notes. So it's a lot of, a lot of content. Plus uh, she and I are a little bit like opposites attract. We're like, um, I don't know, chocolate and peanut butter, I guess. But, uh, you know, like she's married, I'm single. She's got pets and I don't. She's got daughters and I've got a son. So there's always some comedic element to it that makes it easy to listen to and uh, and just a little bit fun because we are two fun ladies. We don't like to take it too seriously. So um, hopefully we make it easy and fun to listen to. That. Well, I love that. And I love the comedy aspect. That's where you and I met was in the comedy world. So following to see what comedy stuff you are up to. And I love to see that. Um, Before we sign off today, I just wanted to have you tell people what the best way people can get in touch with you. How can they find you? Sure. So my business is meritbasedbusiness.com. Um, I call it that because everything I do is merit-based. You know, if you want to earn more, you've got to be worth more. more. So So it's all about being worthy. worthy. 
And that, is, that would be a good way to get in touch with me is Merit, M-E-R-I-T, at MeritBasedBusiness.com. Great. And I'll link, I'll give all links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing with all your great knowledge and experience. Uh, thanks for have, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, www.findpam.com for all the show notes and links. And you will also get access to my free legal tool to name legal guardians. It's all right there at findpam.com.